Winging It with Painter and Rico. Our special guest today is Darren Perrin. Darren, welcome. Yeah, nice to see you, Darren. And you, Dave and Tony, and thank you for having me on the podcast. No problem, sir. I, I heard you were a little bit jealous when first we had Marcus and then Rosie on, and you thought, <laughs> <laughs> four days two. Is there any truth in that? No, there's no truth in that, but I mean, to have two has been from Wiltshire before me is, uh, a, did hurt a little bit. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great. Fantastic way to start. Darren, you can start wherever you want, buddy. Well, I obviously grew up in a football family. My dad, who's obviously now doing his 60th year this season at Melksham. That's Mick. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's 60, 60th Unbelievable season laughing. this year as a player, secretary, chairman, treasurer, and now currently the club president and still uh, does the turnstile on match days at Melksham. Brilliant. Um, Right, I'm going to, sorry to stop you there, because I first met your dad, I was playing for Clandown, I was a 16-year-old kid, Clandown away um, at Melksham, and that was the first time I met your dad, yeah. and I'm talking late 70s, yeah, 70s. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I said, he's, he's so certainly a one man club all his, all his life. Yeah, and it's his, and it's his 60th year this year. Oh, so, uh, brilliant but like I said, myself and my brother, who obviously has had a decent non league career, um, I always just grew up football. I was at Swindon as a youngster and played in the same youth teams as Fitzroy, Fitzroy Simpson, who was a Melchum lad who went on and obviously done great. Our manager was John Trollope. Yeah. And uh, he was certainly a strict uh, discipline, and uh, John was. Um, did Fitzroy went on and had a fantastic career. Unfortunately, I got released and played most of my career at Melksham in the Western League and enjoyed it immensely. I would say I could play a bit, had no pace, but certainly enjoyed my football. And I took management up when I was about 21, 22, on a, more so on a Sunday. And as I've heard on other podcasts, Sunday mornings was a decent standard of football. And we had a very, very good side. We had people like Johnny Freeguard, <laughs> um, our brother in go. Uh, That's Steve, and, isn't it? Yeah, Steve. I had to look it up because his nickname is Pork. Porks or yeah. Reggie. Yeah. Uh, I know I've known him as Porks in the football world. Yeah. And I couldn't remember his Christians. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I look it up. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Sorry. So we and we had a, a really successful Sunday morning side, and we won the Wiltshire County Cups and uh, all the leagues for about six or seven years. But it was it was close to Wilts League, Western League standards. And Dad Dad was then chairman of the football club and decided uh, rather controversially to get rid of the Melchior manager at the time, Mel Gingell, okay. and appointed me as manager. <laughs> and you can imagine uh, at the time the uh, uproar, Mel had done quite a good job and everything else. Um, so we took a lot, of, uh, a lot of stick. And in the first season, I think it was 94, 95, we picked Kentsham in my first four season. We won the Western League Division One. We picked um, Kentsham to the league title, and we for the next couple of years we went on and had a very successful time. We won the Wilts Professional Shield. We finished third in the Western Premier League, which 
felt like winning it because it was at that time it was Tiverton and Taunton and between them two they were going to Wembley every every year in the Vaz yeah, yeah. Um, the Lynches and Mark Lawrence and all that lot I mean they were decent sides then um, and finishing third felt like winning it the following year again we won the Wilkes Professional Shield we beat a full strength Swindon team who played 10 first teamers at the county grounds and then and during that time I obviously had plenty of battles and at the time we probably couldn't stand each other with Tommy Saunders Tommy was obviously the chip and the manager um, took nine of my players one pre-season they had a big budget with Malcolm Lyons as the chairman at the time um, and there was no love lost now for what Tommy's had to go through in the last two years no one's got more respect and um, credit for what he's done with it, the, the Ben Saunders Foundation yeah, I think yeah. it's totally remarkable the amount of money that they've earned but it made me a better manager because I had to go out and rebuild another team at Melksham and I found it a challenge but also enjoyable and, and then I had a phone call from Frank Gregan and Frank took me to Forest Green Rovers as academy manager, chief scout, um, and also on the administration. And I had eight great years at Forest Green. You were full-time um, there? Were you I, full was, yeah. I was full-time yeah. at Forest Green. I helped set up the academy with Frank. Yeah. Did you know Frank before, or is it just... Only literally with Frank going around watching games, to be fair to Frank. Yeah. He always went out and watched football. And... I took my UA for B. Tony was the one who took me at Cadbury's. Um, I think it was Dennis Mortimer. I think then yeah. we passed us through it and everything. So I got my badges quite young and everything else. And I had a great time at Forest Green. It was a fantastic football club. Uh, the chairman, who's no longer yeah. with us, Trevor, Trevor. Orsley, was. He really was. Well, one. everyone who's been on her associated with Forest Green has said about him. He, he really was one in a million. Mm. Trev was. He looked after everybody. He didn't. He didn't treat. He didn't have fools. Um, he said typical Yorkshireman. He said it as it was, but he looked after everybody. But he loved people that said it as it was back as well, didn't he? And if you and if you tried and give him everything you had, that's all he ever asked for. Yeah. And that's all he ever asked for, Trev. And we had some great times at Forest Green. It was a fantastic club. I enjoyed it. It was different, obviously, a lot more professional. Frank was obviously done a remarkable job, to be fair, at Forest Green. Frank then got sacked. Um, and in came at the time Nigel Spink and Tony uh, Dave Norton mm-hmm. as joint managers. We got to the trophy final at uh, Villa Park, which was a fantastic experience and everything else. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And the following season, Nigel got the job full time and possibly one of the best times. Nigel, who I was close to, got the sack. We played five games, lost six, uh, lost five. <laughs> played five, lost six. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it felt like that at the time. And um, Trevor called me in that on the Saturday night we lost, I think it was to Chester, own 5 0, and said, um, We're sacking Nigel. He said, I want you to run the team Tuesday away at Burton Albion. I'm assuming he told Nigel first, did he? Well, he was, yes, he had already done uh, it because uh, 
he didn't just want me to go in there. No, no, he was just straight, and he done it. He done it with Nigel, and then told all the players and everything. He done everything face to face. Trevor did, and he said, "I'd like you to run it with Paul Birch to help you." Burton Albion on the Tuesday night well Burton Albion had played five and won five <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went to Burton Albion at the Pirelli Stadium they hadn't been there long and we won 3-2 yeah. and it was unbelievable and the one day one thing and I don't like name dropping but the one thing I'll always remember it was Nigel Clough who was the manager invited me into the office after with Gary Crosby yeah. Uh, the winger lad who knocked the ball out with the goalkeeper's hand that time, yeah. the little winger. Yeah, And so I was sat, and this is gospel truth, I was sat with, and a bloke walked in, didn't knock on the door, and clipped me round the head. Very lucky man tonight, young man. It was Brian Clough. Is that right? It, it just clipped him. <laughs> His face was very blotchy red. Yeah, it was at the end, wasn't it? Nigel said, Dad, come on out, we come. I want to speak to you. So Nigel went out with Brian, with Brian and Gary Crosby. To be fair, couldn't be more apologetic. Apologising, said he had become a little bit rude through drinkings mm. and everything else, which was sad. But it didn't worry me one bit. Well, it's a great just, story, isn't it? Just to see yeah. him, an ever, just yeah. to see him <laughs> and, and, stuff, and stuff like that. It yeah. was something else. Um, Colin Addison came in as manager the following day, and I. Personally, I didn't get on great with Colin. Uh, Where I did could, Colin come from? Hereford? Hereford, I think sure, it was. Yeah. I think he came from Hereford. Yeah. Um, loved football, could tell a story uh, and everything else. But he wasn't really my cup of tea, Colin, for whatever reason. He uh, brought his own men in a little bit. And I just felt that it changed. And I had a phone call um, from Pudge and Portland Rovers to ask would I go to Poulton and I went to Poulton Ian Edges yes yeah. Ian Edges <laughs> and I went to watch Poulton and the camaraderie as you said just watching non-league football again albeit a little bit lower level got the uh, juices running a little bit and I thought yeah I'll have a go at this and Killer, who's obviously one of my best mates, Mike Kilgore, who yeah. was obviously my assistant most of the time, I was manager. Came did, you, did you sack Pudge? I'm going to go on to this because <laughs> I did hear the podcast. Okay? <laughs> and it wasn't by a text message, as he said. And so we went to Poulton, and in the first season, we had a, obviously a really good season. We got to the Les Phillips Cup final, we lost to Biddeford's, uh, but we got promoted to the Southern League. Um, we finished second to Biddeford's. Yeah. Uh, Sean Joyce had a decent side. They, they picked us and they didn't want to go up yeah. and we got promoted. And we had some great lads there, young lads, Andy Sandell, who obviously went on and played for Rovers and other clubs and he's had a good career. Rich Perry, Mark Buxton, Graham Colborne, who I think you may have had, Tony at Bath. Yeah. Um, and they were good lads and we made one or two decent signings um, Dan Cleverly who was a young lad at yeah. Bath and, and we had a decent side and to be fair it was a great it was a great club Paul and, and I've got to give Dave Bissick's his due he let me manage uh, he didn't interfere or nothing like that he let me manage and just let me get on with it and the following season we did quite well in the Southern League we finished 8th we just missed out on the, uh, the playoffs 
and and it was good cop bad cop me and killer where i could lose it and everything else where killer would be great talking the players on around the shoulders etc and pudge was brilliant he was still playing a bit pudge was at the time and all that lot and Pudge was never really a manager. He did say that on his podcast. Didn't he? he was he never really a manager and and all that. And at the time, I wanted to bring in one or two more players and the budget was tight and everything else. And Pudge was like player coach and I didn't really need a player coach <laughs> because me and Killer literally did most of the things as it was anyway. And to save some money, that was the reason. And I did speak to Pudge. It certainly wasn't a text message because if I let anybody go, I'm similar to Rico in that. So you do it face to face and everything else. Um, and we did really well at Poland. We got to the Southern League semi-final and then Chippenham, Steve White had resigned as manager of Chippenham. I think he thought he was getting the Bath City job. And they gave the job to John Relish at the time, John Relish in AD Britain. And Steve White resigned through his toys at the pram a little bit, uh, thinking that Chippenham um, stopped him from going there. The problem was Chippenham contacted me and wanted to speak to me, but I was under contract and Poulton wanted a fee. And in the end, Chipman paid £1,500 for me to leave um, them. And it ended up me and Kenny Ibbett, the ex-Wolves player, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, we went for the two interviews and everything, and they decided to give me the job. Um, and that was tough at the time, because then what happened... Was this still under Malcolm Lysons? No. This was under Sandy Webb, oh, yeah. uh, who chairman. was the lady chairman, chairman, and I'll come on to that in a minute. Was she was, um, and she obviously got a lot of stick from Steve White in the press and everything else. And what then transpired was Steve had obviously had a lot of good players there in James Constable, Ian Herring, Matthew McIntyre, uh, Sammy Allison, and stuff. So. I appointed Mingzi as my assistant. Adrian? Yes, I, I appointed Adrian as my <laughs> assistant, where be, literally because there's a Chippenham person, yeah. um, I've grown up with AD, but if I'm being brutally honest, I probably should have taken Killer with me, my tried and trusted, who I've known ever since. But not that um, AD did a bad job, because he never. He was brilliant at the time and everything else. Um, but it was difficult. It was difficult. Luckily, we attracted some good players. Ian Harvey, we got from Tiverton, who was different class. Gilroy, Dave Gilroy. And they were fantastic. And the first season we had at Chipman, we had great success. Um, it went better than I could ever really have envisaged. Uh, we won the Wilkes Professional Shield at Salisbury, against Salisbury. We got to the first round proper of the FA Cup in the first time in the club's history, uh, where we crapped all really. We drew Worcester at home and drew. Mm. And then we had a replay, and you both played there. It was pretty intimidating going down the tunnel in the corner with 4,000 people, but the draw had already been made for the second round. And the draw was the winners were at home to Huddersfield Town, who were top of Division One at the time. Cool. The biggest. With live TV coverage on BBC, 
Okay. Worth 120,000. Well, in my contract, I was entitled to 10% of any TV. <laughs> um, so we lost the replay 1 0 oh. when the referees mistakenly I sent off batters. When it was it badly. No, Mark Badman. Oh, Mark Badman. Yeah. Mark right, Badman. Yeah. And it was Ian Harvey who committed the foul, which would have only been a caution. Oh. And so. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We then that's 2005, isn't it? Yes, it was 2005. We then had a great league run. We did exceptionally well, and we got to the playoffs semi-final, and we went to Kings Lynn. But two days before, we were trying um, to not win the game. We wanted a draw so we could face Bath City in the semi-final because we had the hoodoo over Bath that season. We had beaten them twice and we had a way of playing against them. And we drew 0-0 at home to Hells Owen, but Kings Lynn scored last minute of the game somewhere. No, Bedford, sorry, scored last minute of the game somewhere to finish one place above us. So on the Saturday night at five o'clock, knowing the playoff semi-final was two days later, we've ended up with Kings Lynn away. So so then everyone, to be fair to the club, we did everything right. We left on the Sunday, stayed in a hotel, had a pre-match. Done perfect. Went out for the uh, walk in the morning and everything. Got to the ground and it's rammed. And it's pretty intimidating at Kings Lynn. Last thing I said to the lads, keep it tight the first quarter of an hour their turn on them 32 seconds into the game penalty Kings Lynn the lad scores against our brother the lad takes his top off easy easy and he's clapping Uh. he gets a yellow card we withstood 10 minutes got back into the game went 2-1 up right on half time and half time obviously everyone's buzzing a little bit went 3-1 up and then the lad Gilly is dived and the lad's been shown the second yellow and got a red card and he's coming straight to the dugout and to be fair to Mingsy this is when he was great <laughs> he said get and sit in the dugout derf and he stood there and Cooper is his name he's dropped his shoulder and I'm not joking you he's bounced off Mingo he's absolutely bounced off him next thing you know Porks is in goal he's taking it seems like 10 minutes over a go kick and everything and the next thing you know is a Budweiser bottle is chucked on onto the pitch Porks being a twat pretends to drink out of it and they're giving him you fat bastard and all this lot (laughs) the referees pull both teams off because they've had to do a safety announcement and everything else I've said to lads look don't antagonise it now they've gone there's 12 minutes left just see the game out three one up against ten men well within a minute of me saying that they've chucked the full size Mars bar at Porks he's took his gloves off undid it and had a bite and then all the crowd are going crazy and all this I'm going mental final whistle goes we've won three one we go down the tunnel and the centre half's waiting for Gilroy right and he's grabbed Gilly Ran the neck, 
luckily Mingzi has gone down there and I'm not joking you he's picked the lad up by two fingers I think <laughs> and all this lot we've got everybody into the into the dressing rooms next thing is a knock on the door it's the sergeant from Norfolk Police would we like to press charges against the Kingsland number no. 5 and we said well no all we want to do literally get showered and changed get something to eat, a few beers on the coach get off home uh, we've got a problem about that, we need to give you a police escort out of the get out the grounds and I'm not joking you Dave, Tony we got changed. We had to go into the centre circle of the pitch. We had to go behind the goal at Kings Lynn. And we had five police motorcycle bikes giving us a police escort all the way out of Kings Lynn. They were waiting down the streets and everything. Yeah. In, you're talking Southern League Premier Division football. Anyway, we won the game. We stopped at the pub. And obviously, Bath had lost at home to Bedford the same day. And so we had home advantage in the semi in the final, uh, sell out crowds. I honestly thought we were going to win, and we got beat three two at home to Bedford. They scored a last minute worldie. To be fair, oh. lad who went on and played football league, Rennie Howe. Yeah, big black lad who was yeah. a right handful. Yeah, and they scored a for Rovers. I think he did go to yeah, Rovers. I think you, I think you're right. Rivers. Northampton and some yeah. clubs like that, and they scored an unbelievable goal, and we lost three two. The following season, I had a few issues, personal, and I was sacked uh, around November time at Chippenham, um, having taken into account that in that first season, Chippenham had asked me to sign an extension to my contract because there was a bit of interest being shown um, from Forest Green at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I signed an extra year extension on my contract and then I got sacked. Um, we were, I think, 8th or ninth, and AD obviously took the job on, who was my assistant at the time, obviously took the job on, which it was part of me at the time wanting him to walk with me, but everyone's their own. But it all got a little bit nasty because um, Sandy, who was the chairman at Simons, we fell out badly. Now we, time moves on and everything else. Yeah. She phoned, we lost 5 0 at Banbury on the Tuesday night. And I had, like I said, a few personal issues. I've got no denying that. I probably wasn't totally focused but she phoned me the morning after the 5-0 defeat at Banbury and said Darren board of directors have spoken overnight will you resign please I said resign I said I've got 18 months left on my contracts and she said well we don't want the bad publicity after the Steve Steve White situation uh, I'm good friends with your parents and your family what about if I give you £3,000 and it's all amicable. And I said, not a chance. I said, it was only a few months ago, you wanted me to sign an, an extension to my contract. And the exact words were, if you don't agree to it, I will find something out about your personal life and sack you for gross misconduct. Sure. And I then, pretty harsh. I then obviously spoke to Trevor, who got me in uh, a top 
uh, solicitor, who literally done football contracts yeah. and everything else. I was put on gardening leave. AD obviously took over, done really well, to be fair, and did a really good job at Chippenham after I left, to be fair. Um, in the end, it was going to go to a small courts uh, for to see the case and everything. And in the end, Chippenham... It made the courts and not just an industrial tribunal. No, and, but we didn't even go to the court in the end okay. because Chippenham settled out of court um, and offered me a certain figure, which yeah. even to this day I wouldn't say, no. and everything else. Um, and it hurt. It hurt. And I think I've heard you say on many podcasts, Tone, to be fair, as a manager, you know you're going to get the sack. And if you don't, then you're pretty naive going into it, I would have mm. thought. Uh, I then went through. But it's how it's done. Exactly. That's, that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's how it's done. Exactly. And, and to be fair, I get on fantastically well with, now with Chippenham. In my role as chairman, they've got a good chairman there, Neil Blackmore, and the club have obviously gone on and done exceptionally well and holding their own. And I wish, obviously, Horgs and Coopy all the best in the conference, south as it is. Um, I then was at Bath City on a Tuesday night watching our brother play and go and I had a phone call from Froome Town which was totally out the blue asking could I come within the hour to their ground because they had just dismissed their manager who was Andy Crabtree mm-hmm. they were currently bottom of the Southern League Division 1 having just got promoted the year before I went there they had offered me the job I, got, I told him I'd give him an answer the following day. I had to then speak to Killer because I obviously wanted Killer to come with me. Uh, we agreed to go there and we had a great run. Our first 20 games, we didn't lose a game. Yeah. Um, we just missed out on the playoffs. We finished seventh. And the following season, um, we got promoted from the Southern League uh, via the playoffs, winning at Showling. We beat Mangotsfield 3-1 away in the semi-final when Danny had a bit of a nightmare in go from Mango that night. Danny uh, Greaves? Yeah, Greavesy. Um, he's, he's obviously done very well as a manager. Um, a manager at Froome. At Froome now, and he's doing really well, and he's got a good side there. But he had an absolute torrid that night in go, and we went to Sholin and won, and we got promoted to the Premier Division for the first time. And I had three years at Froome, and it was fantastic. They were really good to me, Froome. You went there in 2009, yeah. It was, too, and, and they were good. Payton and, will check my stats. And <laughs> they, they were good, it was. But uh, I got sacked through in my last year where probably, if I'm being brutally honest, was a bit of payer power. But it was also we probably did underachieve a little bit. So I wasn't... Gutted or disappointed. I was more disappointed in myself that we didn't perhaps do a little bit better that season. When you say player power? Well, because I think that they felt that I was perhaps being a bit harsh on them and a bit tough, and then they would go and speak to the chairmen and stuff like that. And you had, at that time, you had one or two um, bad eggs, I would call them, in the dressing room yeah. that I probably should have got rid of and what I would say was probably bad management in keeping them at the club. So they weren't your sign-ins, they were already there? No, they were my sign-ins and, and to be fair, when things were going well they were great. When all of a sudden you're going to Cambridge on a Tuesday night or wherever you may do then and you're getting beat, then you, you obviously see your t- true characters since one or two of them weren't the right 
and I should have acted then and I never I stuck with it and it became I don't like using the word but it became a bit cancerous and it started to linger on and linger on and it found it was difficult um, I, you know in, in saying that I, I know I've been sacked twice because I wanted to change players so they appoint you as a manager yeah. you go in and you tell your chairman in your interview what you want to do and everything else and they're all for it and when you go in and actually try and do it yeah. they they turn um, and I and, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess well, and, I was, and that was very much the thing we, we had a couple of bad eggs and I didn't react and I should have and I regret myself for doing that although I felt that probably I took through at the time as far as I could, they were still. We were still in the Southern Prem. Yeah. Never got relegated, yeah. um, but I think I'd probably have taken them as far as I could. So I'd left through, and all of a sudden, uh, Melksham, Melksham, <laughs> then got uh, promoted uh, to the Premier Division of the Western League uh, through Dave Clayton, who was a decent player. Dave <laughs> midfielder had a short time at Trowbridge and he got them all promoted with all local players and we went into the or Melton went into the Western League under new chairman and everything else at the time and they found it tough they found it tough they lost their first six five or six games I think they may have had a point may have had one win I'm not sure and they lost 6-0 at Manor Farm on a Tuesday night and then the chairman at the time Dave Wiltshire asked would I become manager I agreed and to be fair the next five years what we achieved at Melchon would would probably have to be the greatest achievements I've had in football because when I'm going to tell you this you won't believe it but it's true was to manage Melchon then there was no budget so you keep saying there was no budget yeah. <laughs> there was That's no budget says, and you had to live in the town to play for the club yeah and in my first full season doing it with that was bloody hard work but they were great lads some Did of them the players from then they all got living in Melchon yeah it was like. all it was all Melchon based players anyway for the second season what well, after half a season, once I took over, we finished so about name, a, name a few players in that team. Was Jerry Christopher in that? Was it? No, no? he's chipping based, but he'd been finished by then, Jam, okay. more or less. But yeah. you wouldn't have known any of the players hardly. It was like Tom Robinson, Josh Robinson, Matty Cooper, who was a brother, Mark Cooper, who played for me at Froome, who was a younger at Rovers. Um, Gary Higdon, who's obviously scored hundreds of goals since. Yeah. Kovacs, no real names, but what what was good was there was Melchon based players who was with me at Froome mm. um, Dave Thompson Mike Perrett Ben Thompson who yeah. both those lads played at Team Bath under yeah. Tiz and all that lot who all wanted to come back and I persuaded the chairman and the, the committee could we go to two players outside of the town yeah and arguably one of the best signings I made was Ryan Bennett, a centre-half from Bitten, who came from the Bristol area, and he came, did not miss a training session, probably didn't miss a game, and did not get paid a penny. He did not get paid a penny. Now, Ryan was unbelievable. His dad was hard work at times, <laughs> but 
but not in a nasty way. Yeah. He, like parents sometimes are, but he was absolutely brilliant, Tony. He was good-hearted, but just obviously Ryan this, Ryan that. But Ryan was different class. And we won the league. We won the league, and unfortunately, we couldn't get promoted. We couldn't get promoted because they said the old ground in the town, the Conacher, didn't pass ground grading. Exactly. When you see even now, you see some of the seventy grounds we go to, and um, the new ground wasn't ready because newts and stuff like that. They said I think it was probably at the time a bit of a financial thing, but <laughs> they used it as newts and stuff like that, bats and stuff like that. So we had to stay in the Western League and. It was difficult then because the players wanted to have a go. They wanted, they felt that they deserved paying. Yeah. But to be fair, they stuck by me and stuck with me. And we still had a lot of success. We won two Wilt Senior Cups and we won the Les Phillips Cup final at Street against Cribs for the first time in the club's history. And, and then somewhere out of the blue, really, was the chairman at the time, Dave Wiltshire, and the committee who were who should take all the credit for the new stadium being built because they did all the hard work for it. Mm. He wanted to stand down with more or less immediately. And he he always liked this manager, Kieran Baggs, and Dave did, who would come in as like my assistant because Killer was starting to... And Killer was, like I said, unbelievable just different class killer was for me what I would call similar to you two old school trustworthy said it as it was yeah but his boy Alfie was just starting to really progress at Bristol Rovers mm. and he wanted to be there to see him to what he's doing now yeah. obviously and they wanted me to become chairman and I was very reluctant and deep down didn't really want to and I was put under a bit of pressure uh, to become the chairman, uh, we had moved at this stage just to the new facility, which I don't know if either of you two. Well, I think you've been there, Tom. Yeah. It's it's a, it's something special for the level yeah. that we play in. Not sure, Grand. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been there. Been it, there yeah. It's it's really nice to, and and everything else. And you played there. Well, I was I was on the pitch before the game. I was at Briz. Uh, oh, right. oh, I was the sister of Brooks, wasn't I? Oh, right, yes, of course she was, yeah. yeah. So I'd be on the pitch. I thought you were going to say vets or something like that. No, no. no. And because um, Trigger so, goes over and plays for the vets. Well, he still yeah, plays yeah, yeah. now, which I run, and yeah. we've got some good lads in that mind. And um, and to be fair, so Kieran came in as manager. And if we're going to talk about Kieran as result wise, he'd done great. He done fine. We he finished seconds in the league, and we because of the new. Because he's sovereign league now, is it? No, this was still in the Western anyway. League. So we finished seconds. So we were then able to get promoted to the Southern League because obviously our ground was fine, mm -hmm. and uh, we also got to the quarter final of the FA Vaz, uh, which was an incredible. And we lost to a last minute goal to Thatcham in front of two and a half thousand at our grounds. Um, and Thatcham then went on and actually won the trophy. So I think we may have even got to Wembley that year. The following season in the Southern League, again, resort-wise, I, I haven't got a problem. Um, I think Mace, Mace Winter and his dad, Steve, come on, and I think yeah. had a pop at Kieran about 
it being a little bit unprofessional, whatever, was there was things going on behind the scenes or underhands, maybe, that we didn't want as a football club. And it ended up that Kieran, uh, unfortunately, resigned from the club on the thir- on the Friday morning, which, unfortunately, I didn't go to the meeting um, where, as chairman, I would normally have gone. Um, Andy King, who is also a director of the club, went to it because the day of the meeting was Trevor Orsley's funeral. Uh, so I was at Forest Green um, with Triggs and all the others, Meansy, my brother, uh, with all the lad coupé and all that lot. And Kieran resigns. And Luke Ballinger had kindly agreed to take it on till the end of the season. But what happened was Kieran and all the players refused to play the following day against Totten. And we ended up putting out a team with only 10 you players. Remember, really, yeah. And the abuse that I got on social media, because Kieran's a well-known person and he's a likeable person, uh, but the abuse I got and the threats was unbelievable to the extent that I suffered from depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still on tablets now. And it was without doubt the saddest and lowest part of my football career as it. And and I won't forget some of the people at the time who I thought were friends. You've, you tended to find out the fruit, the full facts. People now are starting to find out also now what went on and like anything there's two sides of the story yeah. uh, and everything else all I will say is ever since then we then appointed or as chairman with the other three directors we appointed Rich Fay and Nathan Rudge who have obviously been around the circuit and I've got to say um, they've been different class they, they really have been different class they've brought a great level of professionalism they train all the time. We didn't train even as a Southern E club or very rarely trained beforehand. Um, they work hard. They've got good contacts in the game. They were a little bit unlucky. We were one season fifth when the COVID kicked in and that was disappointing because the season came to an end. Then I think the following season, we we played about five games and then it was stopped again. stopped again. And it was just stop, start and everything else. Mm. Um, but they, this season, we didn't start very well. We've won the last two games, two wins over the bank holiday. I've got a chance of obviously winning Saturday where we would go in the top four or five. But as a football club, I get great satisfaction. We're a football town. We get good support of 400, 450 each game. I mean, we had 700 on Bank Holiday Monday. We've got 42 youth teams, 450 youth players. How many? 42 (laughs) youth teams at our football club, 450 boys and girls. And the amount of girls that have started to take the interest since the Lionesses have won yeah. it's just gone through the roof yeah. we run five or six senior teams we run a vets team with Charlie Griffin Matthew Bounds Triggs, Rudgy um, Tweedle who did play for yeah. us um, and players like that uh, Coopy. and so we've got a decent vets team at Melksham where it's great just managing it because they've still got that competitiveness they still want to win 
but they do like a beer after and everything else. But it's still, it's still good to see. The thing that do people ask me a lot of the time: Do I miss management? Yes, I miss the dressing room. Yes, I miss five o'clock on a Saturday when you've won the game and the camaraderie. But I'm not. If I was brutally honest, could I manage players now, like I could before? And because I've got my principles, you train twice a week. You're fit. You do this. Now I see people going shopping <laughs> and and stuff like this, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Is I've, similar to other people on the podcast. I've made a lot of great friends in football. A lot of close friends. I've upset a lot of people. Of course I have. But the thing that I would say is that I've been honest, and I know that I can sit here talking to you two, knowing that. I haven't ever shafted anybody. Mm-hmm. I haven't shafted anybody. Whether they've they've heard things from me that they probably didn't want to hear, maybe. But I've never shafted someone. I've been up front, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and I get great great satisfaction in seeing what my dad's done for the football club. And there's part of me who wants to try to follow in that legacy a little bit and try to get melts from as high as we possibly can. We are a community club. We do do a lot of things for the community with the facility you've got. And I'm also... Because there's rugby's involved as well. The rugby's right next door to yeah. home, but it's nothing to do with us. They've got their own bar, their own facility, but yeah. they are on the same same stadium, the same land. But again, as a community club, oh, yes. football club and community with the rugby... Oh, it's massive. Yeah. In Melcham, it's massive. Yeah. And the amount of new houses that have gone up mm. and everything else uh, is huge. And, and I get great satisfaction of knowing that of all the clubs that I've managed, we've won Summit. Yeah. Uh, of all the clubs that I have managed, we've won Summit, we've had promotions, we've won league titles. I've worked for some good people and people say it's only Poulton or Froome or Chippenham or whatever they're good people and they and they were nice to work with and they, even supporters at those clubs were decent obviously it turns when you leave and a few things are said but oh, that's you, an all walks of life exactly you live with that yeah. and and I'm immensely proud of like um, we are a close family if of what obviously Porks has achieved in the game as well mm-hmm. to play for England at non-league level yeah. to play eight seasons that he did in the conference but he's still got his roots of Melchior yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they still go up there and we play a lot of golf we played on golf days with yourself Dave yeah. um, last time I seen your Porks was he was in um, the uh, Bath Hospital his, that's right in the leg. clinic that's yeah. right and that's a few years ago yes it was that's right it was and I enjoy the game of golf but my life is Melchon Town now yeah. it's and luckily I've got a wife Nicola who loves football who gets involved in it I'm very fortunate and I just want Melchon to be as successful as we can yeah. and we're under no illusions and you hear it from every manager probably every chairman I make no apologies that the budget that we got at the football club, and this is where I respect Rich Fay, because he does go on at me for more and more. 
he does work within the budget we got we have got a mid-table budget for the league that we play in yeah. and people will think yeah but look at your crowd you got look at it. but the overheads at the place and and now with all these energy things yeah. you've got to be very very careful because at the end of the day the football club's still got to be there in 50 years time yeah. where it's do you see Melksham going I, well, as a chairman I, where would you see yourself I would love being realistically I would love to see us in the southern prem yeah. but there's part of me that thinking with the facilities that we got and the support that we could get that I applaud and respect what Chippenham have done Chippenham are only getting crowds of like 500 in the conference south mm-hmm. and, and they've done it and they and being totally uh, respectful to them, their ground's not as good as ours now. There's a nice facility, yours. Yeah, and I, I see what Chippenham have done. Um, I see what Hungerford have done. Yeah, and I just think that the infrastructure could be there if we can get the budget. And it, unfortunately, in football, most of the now in most leagues, money does talk. Where before, when you look, when Tony was manager of Bath City in the conference. And you had some p- massive like non-league clubs then, and it's hard to compete. But if you can be organised, which we are, and again, I'm certainly not going to come on here and just bum up to Rich Vay and Nathan Rudge, but they've got us organised, they've got us fit. At times, they just perhaps we could do with just a, one or two more little bits of quality mm. that one or two other clubs have got. Now, if we can do that and get the things right off the pitch, then we will try to do it. But we're certainly not going to jeopardise the club and chase something that might not be there anyway. No, and you've got to be admired for that, and to, you know, because every every football club should be run on a on a you know a firm foundation, money wise. Yeah. No ifs and buts. You know, you've only got to look at the Premier League, haven't you, David? You know, it's meant to be the fair play thing, isn't it? In the money and, but you know, the Manchester Cities and that can spend what they like because your Chelsea's can spend what they like. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, good. Got it's good that your chairman, like you said, your dad's sixty years, which is brilliant, isn't it? But mm-hmm. having that affinity with a club, you can see all that, can't you? We We're can, and the, and we want that continuity. And, but there's times that I've also felt for a Kieran Bags and for a Rich Fay because I probably did it as a manager. I expect Tony might have done it as a manager. You go to the chairman and say, these clubs are paying this or he's on so-and-so. Well, I've been there. Yeah. So it's difficult. And sometimes I do feel for them because I know the score. I know what goes on. I've been there, managed it. So... I know what the situation is and I think sometimes they get a little bit frustrated where they try to get more or whatever but because I do know what yeah. some clubs do and yeah. what you can what is compatible in our, in our level of football mm-hmm. um, but like I said I've made a lot of great friends lost a lot of great friends um, who've passed away and everything else who have been a great help to me in what I've achieved and I when I look back on it, I don't think I'd change much. I don't think I would change much. I've managed some great players who've gone on to play decent standard of football, football league football. Um, and I've also managed one or two people who I'm not too sure if I didn't see them again, I would be too disappointed. Um, because there is one or two people out there who you wouldn't trust. But the majority of players who played for me I would like to think went through brick walls when we needed to 
when you needed to roll your sleeves up, they did it. Yeah. Nathan, okay, now Nathan Roach. Yes, Nathan. Yeah, he had a big shock. Yeah. Nathan obviously had a, a bit of a heart and stroke yeah. type thing, yeah. and um, but he's, he is in life as what he was as a player, he's yeah. a warrior. Well, it's glad to see him back on the touchline. He's a warrior, and, and um, back him. He's certainly got a great personality about him at this level of football and players look up to him because he had a decent non-league career he was a decent centre-half um, upset a few people along the way but what centre-halves never um, but no he's he's great and he's got a great family to be fair and they all come to the game same as Richard's do and uh, it is a family club and long may that continue yeah. so we're going we're gonna best player you've managed best player I've managed it could be the best goalkeeper I've managed because I still think they're a player is my brother yeah. is because he just not because he's my brother but he was outstanding yeah, he for was me and and everything best player for training winning mentality professionalism was James Constable yeah Constable and Steve White deserves a lot of praise for that yeah. in finding him at Sarmcester Town. But he was outstanding. But if you look at when I first started Western League at the lower level, because there I'm talking Chippenham in the Southern Prem, and it's easy to chuck a lad who's then gone on and played Football League. But there were some good ones. Robbie Lardner. Yeah. Just honest, as Daylong would run probably 40 miles in a game and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Killer, yeah. Just honest, yeah. Probably couldn't pass win <laughs> properly. Killer, <laughs> but edit, kick it. Yeah. Would put his lot. Pot, what a lad! What a character! And then there was some other lads names that you probably wouldn't even know, like Adam Gingles, who was a real technically a real good footballer. Little Stevie Campbell. I mean, we had some excellent players, but who were also dedicated to it and everything else and who you knew week in week out would give you 7 or 8 out of 10 mm. and it all depends at the levels that you manage whether it was Western League Division 1 or Chippenham mm. I mean I could easily say Tony Daly yeah. because he played in that game with Burton or come on the sub but I would have any of those lads before Tony Daly yeah. Tony Daly to me lovely bloke in fact a fantastic bloke but literally came to Forest Green, in my opinion, as the last payday. Yeah. And yeah. Hardly ever played. Hardly ever played. Great stories. Yeah. Great to listen to. But not my kind of cup of tea. Yeah, the other players that you've mentioned, you've gone through a lot with, haven't you? With exactly. No, different, no difference to daily. No. Uh, it, mm. short, short term. Short term. And, yeah. and very much so. And, and then think- there was other people. He was obviously a great player. And he was brilliant at Poulton for me was Jason Drysdale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was great player, mm. Milks. Unbelievable left foot. Yeah. But the advice that he gave the younger players, love to drink, Milks, as we all know, and everything else. But the advice that he would take kids to just one side to speak to. And the other player, and I had him from 16, was obviously Andy Sandell. Mm. He had everything Sands did. He had everything, and I'm surprised he didn't even go that little bit higher, even from Rovers. And I know that he played at Wembley and Cardiff and all stuff like that, but I'm surprised he didn't just go that little bit more. Yeah. 
but no some great memories great times and I think that's why we all love it and we still talk about it now like yeah. we're doing on this podcast yeah well I got a couple more questions for you and I'm so coach manager you most admire or would like to put your well Fergie up against Fer- although Fergie I, although I was Leeds supporter I loved Alex Ferguson um, I did love okay. Alex Ferguson I just thought that he'd done it all in Scotland Yeah, he came down and broke the Liverpool tradition at the time he had to change when Wenger came in and changed the game and still produce sides yeah. um, now although I hate him I think Klopp is something special I do think he is something special. <laughs> I do, I hate It's never their fault. Um, but yeah. I think he is a special manager and obviously Pep. Totally but so I do like, from an English point of view, I do like the Brighton manager, Steve. Potter. Yeah. I do like Potter. Um, and I did always, and so I hope he does a great job at Newcastle, I did always like Eddie out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, well, I'm there, so. Yeah. I do like those kind of people. I must so I'm, I'm going to turn it non league. Non-league? Yeah, that you've been up against. Great. Um, Tommy Saunders? Yes, I've got a lot of time for Tommy, because at the end, although we didn't like each other when he was chipping them, he took all the players, and we had an almighty fallout, a big bust-up. You've only got to look at the success. He took a side to Wembley, he got them two or three promotions, um, and it's all right having all the money. You've still got to make sure you bring the right yeah, players in. Yeah. And he bought good characters. had a lot of money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he still had to bring in the right players, right characters, a lad who played with you two. But he had winners, Granny Dicks, yeah. and stuff like that in the trenches. So, yes, with Tommy, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for um, Frank Gregan for the job he done. Yeah. For Frank didn't really have a football background, whatever he may say, yeah. but the job he did was unbelievable at a small club like um, Forest Green. It was fantastic. But coming up against managers, Joycey, the yeah. long to be involved as long as he has yeah. at Biddeford's uh, and the loyalty. I always used to love managing against Martin Rogers and Russell Musker, yeah. who was at Taunton. Yeah. I used to really enjoy that. And even my. Milo was speaking earlier Badger at Brislington <laughs> we always seem to get the edge over him but there was a bit of needle in those yeah. kind of games and they were the good I, I enjoyed them Who had the, needle, the, the Wiltshire boys don't like the Bristol boys do they? <laughs> there was always we always <laughs> no, I think the Wiltshire boys more, yeah, and I think the Wiltshire boys I always seem to think for the Bristol boys were the pretty boys yeah. And that we could rough them up a bit. Yeah. And and I think there was that little bit of about it fit. Yeah. I think if we're being brutally honest, we always thought the Bristol boys were technically probably better players. But did they really like being pressed, being harassed, being kicked? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was that always that little bit of rivalry. But I think the older you come now, you look back on it and I think you respect the players. I mean I used to love the battles little shit. But what a great lad, Jay Lucas. <laughs> yeah. And little things like that, winding people up and stuff like that. But great times. And we had a Bristol lad who played for me in my first time at Melsham, who I still keep in touch with now. An unbelievable lad, Aidy Stag. Oh, yeah, Staggy. Staggy, right back. Now, Sunday mornings with Staggy for the. Uh, 
a trooper or a BRF absolutely fantastic guy fantastic guy and everything limited but you'd always want him in your side he'd run up and down exactly you would want him in your side and love the guy and stuff like that and no there was a lot of managers I enjoyed there was one or two I didn't but uh, we won't ask you to name them. No, I won't say them because one of them's still a beast now, so I'd rather not say because he's listening. <laughs> he's still a big lad now. Yeah. Dar, thank you very much. Have you got anything else for our listeners? No, just like I said at the start, thank you to you and Payne for obviously giving me the opportunity to speak on the podcast. I think that I think you said at the start, number 56 or 57. Yeah, yeah. I think that speaks volumes. I think people on the street, you, you still see them at games, talk about the podcast. And I would like to see what the viewing viewers who do listen in, because it's certainly, I think a lot of people listen to it and a lot of people enjoy it. Yeah, well, well, that's very nice of you to say. And well, that's the truth. We, it's, we enjoy doing it. Yeah, it? nice to see old faces. Yeah. And then uh, do you like reminisce. That's what we like. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, and thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. You made a statement earlier there's lots of people that have passed on that can't reminisce with no exactly and I think it's and I know obviously you're in a position at the moment Tony with one of your best mates and players who played with you and you managed is I think it is important on these podcasts and I've heard a lot of them mention a lot of the old people that you don't forget them because there were some great characters in football and some great times that you'll never forget and I've had them and we've lost players that we never and a club legend at Melcham and Chipman who died away I don't know probably a month ago Ian Monnery yeah. the centre half what a legend you a charity game didn't you we did between, well we played Recently? we played Chippenham in pre-season for the Ian Monnery trophy yeah. um, Chippenham beat us on bounties um, but it was greatly supported and it was played over it, 800 games for both the clubs 500 for Chippenham and 330 yeah. for Melcham but just an old-fashioned centre-half, loved the, loved the point, loved the cigarette, would play through any injury, would never miss a training session, would go out on any nights out, was just a proper football person. Yeah. And if there was one thing in football that disappoints me now is I think it is starting to change for the worse a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Well. Hey-ho. Hey-ho. Darren Perrin, thank you very much. Winging it with Painter and Rico. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers, David.